Welcome to the book of Romans. <laughs> uh, it might be an interesting time to, uh, even on your own, just to say, hey, we're going to be in this book for a month. Why don't I take some time just to read it? Uh, now, I will give you a warning. It's not the easiest book in the world to read. <laughs> for those of you who may be familiar with it, it's got some pretty challenging areas and, and things to work through. It's pretty meaty, if you will. So be gracious to yourselves, and you might want to choose a translation that makes that a little easier, right? Uh, you might also have noticed in your bulletin that um, on the inside cover in the back page, we've taken some excerpts. Actually, they were the ones that, that Cole has been referencing throughout this first half of the, the service. Uh, and so that might also be something that maybe you just ruminate on. Maybe there's a passage in there you want to, you want to memorize or just simply that becomes your, your Romans in a nutshell, if you will. <laughs> uh, for those of you who aren't familiar with, with the book, it's, let, let me just give you a quick run through of kind of the storyline of it. It starts off chapters one to threes saying that God has revealed himself to everyone. All right. We've all seen, as Cole attested to, the mystery and the majesty of God. And yet we turned our own ways. We've all fallen short of the glory, and there's no excuse. That's really chapters 1 to 3. Chapters 3 to 7. God is not content to leave us where we're at. Right? This is a pursuing God. We've seen that all the way through the Old Testament, the New. This is the God who pursues us. And so God shows his love towards us. Uh, go in this way, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ dies for us. He sends his son to die for us. And that changes everything. Through Christ's death and resurrection, we're made right with God. And through faith, we have peace with God. And we live under God's grace. That's chapters 3 to 7. Then comes chapters 8 to 11. As a result of that, that cosmic event, we are now in Christ and God's spirit lives in us. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's the bottom line. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And 9 to 11 talks about whether, you, regardless of your race, your religion, your history, nothing can separate us from the love of God. All of this, all of that wonderful story is the mercy and the grace of God. Chapters 1 to 11. And so now we come to, ta-dum, chapter 12. And it starts off like this. Therefore, in light of God's mercy, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy, and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. If you don't know, it's on the inside, the other side of your package. I've also got it there for you as well. So it continues, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So let's dig in. In light of God's mercies, I urge you. That's how Paul starts. Right? 
the Phillips translation, which was a, a kind of a precursor to Eugene Peterson's The Message, he puts it this way, with eyes wide open to the mercies of God, I'm begging you. I'm compelling you. I'm saying, please, please respond. People of God, (laughs) the world suffers from kind of an amnesia, forgetting how easy it is, the mercies of God. We are called to be people of memory. We are called to be awake with our eyes open to the astounding mercies of God because those mercies are what's going to sustain us, encourage us, guide us. And as we find out, as we continue through this chapter, those are the things that are going to sustain us, shape us, form us. Okay? Those are the things. So spending some time thinking and reflecting on the mercies of God, that's what Paul wants us to do, with eyes wide open to the mercies of God. And he goes on, he says, I want you... I, implore you to offer your bodies as a sacrifice. Now, if you're a Greek or Jew at the time, uh, you're pretty familiar with sacrifices, right? Uh, that's what you would do, especially the Greeks. They would, uh, and the Romans, so the Gentiles, they would be offering sacrifices to appease the gods, right? Uh, typically, it's a, uh, you know, an animal or something that you kill. <laughs> so this one's a little unnerving. Right? I want you to offer yourselves. I mean, there were some gods who expected that sort of stuff, that self-mutilation and things like that, but, but those were pretty fierce gods. This says, I want you to offer your bodies as a sacrifice. And then comes three qualifiers. First, it's a living sacrifice. You see, This God is very different from the gods of the Greeks and Gentiles and Romans. This God is a God who doesn't do this to appease him. Actually, it's a sacrifice in response to the mercies of God. God himself is already gracious. But it takes place in our lives, in our bodies. It is a grounded sacrifice, okay? This is not some head thing, all right? It's it's a grounded thing. Uh, Peterson puts it this way, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. That has it pretty nicely. That's that's what it's saying. I want you to present your bodies, (laughs) all right? Not just your heads, your bodies, your hands, your feet, all of you. I want you to present you as a living sacrifice. More than living sacrifice, it is a holy sacrifice. A sacrifice that's set aside for its purpose. A a purpose that we were created to fulfill. This is the great part, okay? When you sacrifice and serve a merciful God, well, even the commandments are merciful, right? it's actually not a sacrifice at all. Sacrificing to a merciful God is simply being true to who you were created to be. It's your purpose. We are set aside for a purpose, and now Paul is calling us to offer ourselves to that purpose. It's why we were created. We were created for holy, holiness, and everything else 
is just a little less. So a living sacrifice, a holy sacrifice, and an acceptable sacrifice. Hmm. Which begs the question, what the heck is an acceptable sacrifice? I'm so glad you didn't ask. Um, no, you did. Deep down, I know you did. But you're not the first person to ask it, uh, because, nor is Paul, because way back in Micah, the same question is asked. You know, what does, what does God actually want from us? And so he says, with what shall I come before the Lord and bow down before the exalted God? Shall I come before him with bird offerings? Dead things. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams? Oh, it takes a lot. Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgression? Hmm, sometimes that's tempting. No. <laughs> the answer is a resounding no. You might have thought that if you've been living in that so sort of pagan, pagan times, right? You might have thought that's what the gods wanted. But Paul is introducing us to a different God than any of these other ones knew. God is showing you what is good, Micah says. And what does the Lord require of you? living bodies, hands and feet bodies, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before your God. That's the sort of living, holy, purposeful sacrifice that is no sacrifice at all, if we're truthful, that God calls us to offer. I want you, he says, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly because that's what you were created to do. I want you to live up to your purpose. <laughs> and that's the next phrase. This is your true and proper worship. The worship you were intended to offer. Because as I said, when you sacrifice to a merciful God, it is no sacrifice at all. But it turns out this whole sacrificing thing isn't as easy as we may think it is. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. That's what Paul says next in verse 2. It could actually be translated like this. And some of our Greek, but in Greek students, we may come across the middle voice. This is a middle voice thing. And so it says, don't keep on letting the patterns of this world squeeze you into its mold. Right? Don't keep on letting. Hmm. You see, there are active agents in this world that are squeezing us, that are shaping us, that are forming us. But we are not passive and we are not powerless. In fact, somehow the middle voice says we are complicit in this, all right? That somehow we are letting ourselves be shaped and formed by these forces. And Paul says, stop it. Stop it. Enough already. Stop allowing yourself to be squeezed. So let me ask you, even as this last few weeks I've been asking myself, and I've read this great book I'll share with you in just a moment, what occupies your time? 
What dominates your imagination? What do you dream about? What gets you upset? What gets you passionate? What gets you worried or afraid? What has your heart? That's what Romans 2, 12 and 2, tries to get us to do. Take a spiritual audit. What has your heart? Because that is what you love. The book is by James K. Smith, and if you're even remotely a reader, it's a real good one. If you want to sort of use this as a way to kind of take your um, journey through Romans, it, it's an interesting perspective. What you love is what you worship. And what you love and what you worship is what is shaping you. Behind our loves and our desires, the things that occupy our attention, our mind, behind all these things are these patterns, these forces that form us or deform us. If we scratch below our loves just a little bit, we start to uncover what we're really all about, what's driving us, what we're worshiping. And these things, often in very insidious ways, are fueled, without us sometimes even being conscious of it, they're fueled by the patterns, values, and beliefs of this world. So go ahead. And I mean, this is unfair to do it right now in front of all these people, but maybe this is something you keep thinking about throughout this week or throughout this month. What are the things that are behind our behaviors and our loves? Power and control. If it is, we're going to be left kind of weak and afraid, always looking for more, more power, more power, more power, more control, more control. We're left afraid that someone is going to come around and out to us. Someone is going to wrestle control from us. Is it money and stuff that's occupying our minds? You know this as well as I do. You'll never have enough. It is insatiable. True? If it's appearance and kind of that sexual allure, you know, like, got me. <laughs> Maybe not. Well, you will always find yourself fighting against those feelings that I'm just a little bit ugly. Right? We just need a little more. And when you get to be this age, it only gets worse. <laughs> you actually, if this is the God you are sacrificing yourself towards, you are going to die a million deaths until you reach the final one. It's a merciless God. 
How about popularity and approval? <laughs> right? If that's the one that you're chasing, you will always be anxious. You will always be suspicious. You'll always be wondering, what are they saying around behind your backs? That will devour you. How about intelligence and smarts? <laughs> You'll get to a certain place and you will feel like a fraud. You'll say, if only they knew. I don't know nearly as much as I pretend to. What if I get there and they now know? These are merciless gods. If we serve these masters, the patterns of the world take hold. These are the things that come from serving the masters by being squeezed into the mold. This is nothing new. St. Augustine's one of, who is, I don't know if Jordan's here, has been reading the, his confessions. This is a, a bishop from way back, fourth century, 353, late, late 300s, early 400s. He writes this, he says, as he's thinking about his own life, which itself was pretty rocky, okay? Lots of interesting stuff in his life, ups and downs. You have made us for yourself, he realizes, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. Well, here's the truth. That is true, and our culture preys on our restlessness. So Paul says... Don't keep on letting the patterns of this world squeeze you into its mold, but instead be transformed. And the word transformed is the Greek word that, from which we get a word metamorphosis. In fact, that's actually the way it's, that is the Greek word. <laughs> it's just, I want you to be metamorphosized is kind of it, right? I want you to be like this butterfly, this caterpillar that somehow changes into something totally different. I want you to be changed from the inside out. But notice it's passive. It's in the passive tense. Be transformed. Hmm. It's not the middle voice that we heard before. It, this is all the action and the activity of God, the Spirit of God working in our life. That's where this transformation happens. But I'm fascinated by the fact that it is written as a command. Hmm. In other words, even though it is the power of God at work in our life, we have the power to overrule God. We have the power to blunt and thwart the Spirit's activity in our lives. And we also have the power to enhance that, to, to let it, well, grow and be fertile, to open ourselves up to God's work. And it tells us how, by renewing your mind. Old things are changed, new things are birthed. This is not some sort of head game when you see mind. Don't think, oh, I need to learn lots of new stuff. This is related to the body stuff back in verse 1. This is a head, mind, soul, all that you are. That has to be renewed. That's about changing the patterns, the habits that we're in. New patterns, new habits, new well, practices. And in fact, over the next three weeks, we're going to continue our work through Romans 12, talking about three countercultural habits that Paul calls us into.
generosity in a world of entitlement, hospitality in a world that fears the other, peacemaking in a world that prioritizes fairness and getting what we really deserve. But I'd like to add a fourth one. And it actually harkens back to verse one. I want us to practice remembering the mercies of God. And I want to suggest that your being here on a Sunday, and let me tell you, Sunday mornings are precious, right? Your being here on a Sunday morning is a mind-renewing, transformative practice because it calls us to remember the mercies of God. So I want you to think back on this service earlier in this day, okay? And think about the storyline and what that does and how that blunts the storylines of our culture. We started off with praise, right? We were called into the presence of the Holy One whose train fills the temple, the great Redeemer, right? The one from whose eternity is placed in our heart. That's the one into whose presence we were called. And notice, we were called by that Holy One. This is not just something I felt like going today. No, no. This is not about you. That's the countercultural part. This world is not about you. There's something much bigger at play. When you step into this place, you are reminded of something great and awesome. The creator, the almighty God, has called you into this place. We are not the center of the universe. And this story is not about us. That is a countercultural blunting message that transforms us, right? That starts to work its way in us. We then moved into confession, acknowledging the great gulf that lies between God's beautiful plan for us, the glory of God, and our present reality. Again, think about all the image stuff this is counteracting, right? We don't have it all together is what confession reminds us. We don't have to pretend. We are fallen people. We make mistakes. We are not holier than thou. In fact, we are all in the exact same boat and it has sprung a leak. We move from praise into confession into forgiveness. This is the rhythm of our services, our storylines. In case you haven't noticed, that's what we're doing when we come here. We move into forgiveness, and the forgiveness is offered not because of anything we've done, but because of God's grace. Again, consider that how countercultural that is in a world that is filled with earning and spying and selling and proving. The gospel begins and ends with the grace of God. We are forgiven. We are loved. We are friends of God. And all we have to do is trust that that reality is true and enter into the tra enormous transformative power of God. 
That's what happens when you come Sunday and you decide you were coming to meet some friends. <laughs> There's a much bigger storyline at play. We then come to communion, right? And that's where we celebrate this, that this body was broken for you. That is the token of our, that is the proof of our forgiveness. This, this uh, lifeblood was given for you. It nourishes us. It brings us joy in life, right? We're strengthened to go out. And we end with the benediction, which will be coming very shortly. <laughs> Reissuing our call to go out and make disciples in the grace, peace, and love of the Father. Not in our own strengths, but in the grace, peace, and love of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To be a people of God in this world. A sign, symbol, and foretaste. You see, that's a way different purpose than the purpose you are being bombarded with, sometimes unaware of the patterns of this world. You're not consumers. You're not just what you get and give. You're not how you look. You're not how much power you have, how much prestige, how much popularity. You're not any of those things. You are agents of God sent into this world to make a difference. To love mercy, to act justly, and to walk humbly before your God. A reasonable service, a body service, a hands and feet service. That's what we're called to. We are in an interesting time, and I don't even want to keep on going with this, but it is a time of transition, right? I happen to think it's an exciting time. Because it's a time when we say, what kind of church do we want to be? What's the vision for this church? Well, I would love for us to be a Romans 12 church. I'd love for us to be a Romans 12 church. Supporting each other, practicing to rebuff the patterns of this world so that we can be shaped and transformed into deep followers of Jesus. Splitting images of our Father. So let me give a final reading of these two verses. People of Force View. In light of the mercies of God, I urge you, brothers and sisters, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your true and proper worship. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to prove for yourself that God's will is good, that God's will is pleasing, and that God's will is perfectly aligned with your, the purpose for which you were created. Amen.